Hello, Jesse. It's just you and me now. No one else. I mean, except for that guy. Don't look. Don't look. It's okay, he's not really there. Don't, I said don't look. Pretend like he's not really there. Sure, he's there, but you can pretend like he's not. So, no, you just stare straight ahead. No, I, yeah, your hair's going to prick on the back of your neck, but only because you think there's somebody standing behind you, but there's not, I promise. Just don't turn around. I feel like I've told you this as well because it's it's reminding me of the story that I I was reminded of. I think last time you told me that mm-hmm. um, so I over- overheard an affair happening at an IHOP once. <gasps> wow! Like it yeah. wasn't super torrid, but um, it's in college. Uh, I was single at the time. I remember that because I was like, "What do I do when I'm single? Like, how do I how do I exist?" I I had a bunch of like I had a series of serious girlfriends throughout college. Uh-huh. Um, like I didn't know how to like casually date people. Uh-huh. Like if I was like, oh, I'm in this relationship now. Like we've been out once. It's a really it's a thing. Yeah. Um. Uh, but I was single at the time, and I'm like I don't know how to be single. And I got the idea like I could go to a restaurant just by myself. Yeah. But I had this idea at like 1 a.m. I, I I could I could talk about this. This is my life right now. <laughs> yeah. It's like oh I could. I just I can just go to a restaurant. Like I didn't occur to me that you can just go to a restaurant at like one a.m. by yourself. Right. And so I did. Um, and I took along like a spiral notebook with the intention of like I would do some writing exercises and things like that. So I was you know starting to be a playwright, wanted to write things. Sure. Um, and so I'm sitting down at one of those like little tiny IHOP booths where there's like a divider between you and then on the other side of that there's another little tiny IHOP booth. Yeah. For, like, like two people. So you're sitting like back to back with somebody. Uh, side by side. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Yeah! I understand. Yeah. yeah. So like, if I had someone, they'd be facing across from me, and then to my right, there was a divider, and then two other people sitting there. Yep. And those two people were having an affair, and like openly discussing like the excuses they were going to tell their husband, her husband, when she went home tonight, and what? she had to stay late, and they were like having a meal, like she was a nurse and had just gotten off work, and he was a trucker or a businessman of some sort, where he was in and out of town a lot. And, like, I remember, like, writing down their conversation. Like, this is way better than I'm going to write. I'm going to write down their conversation. <laughs> I didn't, I, I've lost that notebook. I've looked for oh, it. Oh, that's sad. too bad. Um, but I was utterly fascinated. I'm like, I'm so glad I went out by myself tonight. Wow. Yeah. Um, if you're a f- – I feel – my perception of affairs is they're yeah. a little more um, dangerous or romantic. No, super banal. Than hanging out at an IHOP Super together. banal. That doesn't sound like a particularly great affair. Uh, I mean, they were into it. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's their thing. Yeah. I guess. I mean, uh, hold on. Let me be clear. Having having affairs is bad. <laughs> <laughs> Put that little caveat in there, yeah. A little disclaimer. Um, but I guess if you want to do it at an IHOP. Yeah. Know. Like, I mean, I got the impression they were going to go somewhere else or had been somewhere else. Right. But, like, but that's where they were having the the, planning their stage. food and discussions. Wow. Um. Uh, I love I love overhearing conversations that like aren't meant for you. Yeah, in public, eavesdropping. That's the word you're looking for. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, they're also they're not doing anything to prevent you from hearing it. No, like it's something you shouldn't be hearing. Yeah. So either they I've don't. I totally sat in restaurants and listened to people outside of the time I just. So told either you they about. don't care or they're just. Completely unaware of the yeah. fact that there's somebody sitting next to them who could be listening. But, yeah, that's, oh, man. 
I'd love to overhear someone having it. It was weird. Like, I, I had to go tell someone about it. It's when I went back to my dorm. <laughs> like, I went into the main office and, like, told the person at the desk, like, I just heard two people having an affair. And, again, it's, like, 2 a.m. by this point, yeah, And right. she's doing homework. And she's on the midnight shift work on the desk. And she's like, <laughs> okay. Cool. And then I just left. <laughs> so how was, uh, how was single life? Did you figure it out? Uh, not really in college. Um, like what, what, what I did figure out was how to get drunk with my friends when I turned 21. Like that's, (laughs) that's what I did instead. Yeah. Um, oh, even then I had a couple of relationships. I had a girlfriend who intentionally asked me to drunk dial her. Um, that doesn't, that seems to defeat the point. I, I don't know. We were long distance and she thought it would be funny because she knew I'd hang out with my roommates and get drunk. Uh You should drunk dial me sometime. And I'm like, okay. And so I did. Nice. It wasn't very exciting because <laughs> no. it was a drunk dial. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I didn't really figure out how to be single until I got to grad school. Uh, at which point I didn't like date anybody and then I met Amy and that just happened. Like I've never, I've never just dated people. Yeah. Still. Mm-hmm. Like, again, love Amy in no way, shape or form are we going to break up or am I ever going to try this? But part of me wants to go like, I wonder what Tinder's like. <laughs> like oh, that's boy. like that's like like i i don't want to know because i know it's terrible but like right huh, i wonder what that experience would be like right it's an experience that you're not getting yeah that yeah. a lot of people your age are getting absolutely um, um and none of it like if i were experiencing it i would be getting the best of it because straight white dude but right. you know being a woman in, in tinder has got to be one of the worst things in the world Yeah, you don't get any of the suffering i know that because i follow feminist tender on uh instagram Oh, that sounds fun. Um, and she's she's a woman who put the word feminist in her Tinder profile and then mm. posts pictures of the comments and responses and conversations <clears throat> she has. I bet they're very kind. Yeah, they're great. <laughs> they're just beautiful. Um, so I'm, I don't know if the podcast knows this. But I'm recently divorced. We've alluded to it. Sure. Uh, someone who knows us both asked me once, is Jesse divorced? <laughs> After listening to one of our episodes. So with the level of like gossip that happens at my workplace i'm shocked at the people who still don't know this yeah and i like i didn't like publicize it like it wasn't an obvious thing but like i casually talk about it to people like it comes up in conversation i'm not it's not like a hidden thing Mm -hmm. but there's still people who are like wait i thought you were married it's like i was married i got divorced yeah um yeah, so I got divorced uh, a couple months ago. I was married for just under two years or so. And I have never, even like before I was with yeah. with uh, that person, I never casually dated. Mm-hmm. Like I had a college girlfriend and I dated this person. And right? that was it. <laughs> right, yeah. It was, I have incredibly little experience. Yeah. So since I've been divorced, I have... I have chosen to like opt out for now of yeah. the like of the dating. Totally understandable. Right. Given it some I mean, time, you, you've only been divorced for what three months? Yeah, yeah, it's only been a couple months. Like like since we started recording this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, our first recording was like very soon after yeah, I moved, moved into here. my new apartment and stuff. Um, so I, I'm just deciding like that's all on hold. Yeah, like I will pursue the the dating world later at some point in the future. Um, but it is fascinating to me. Like I downloaded Tinder yeah. just for the fun to see of what it, it's like, yeah. Right? To see what it's like. And it's weird. It's so weird. Like you just make binary decisions on uh-huh. a, like endlessly scrolling list of people. Yep. 
and then you have conversations with them. And, like, I know, like, it works for some people. Like, some people find people yeah. that they, you know, really like and form relationships with. And that's kind of the theme of all, like, weird new dating trends. Yeah. Everyone's like, this is gross and it's horrible. And the way I found my significant other is mm-hmm. the right way. And all these newfangled ways are wrong. And then it turns out, like, no, it works some of the time. Yeah. I just started reading on that uh, thought. I just started reading, of all people, Aziz Ansari wrote a book, the, the comedian. He was uh-huh. on... Um, Parks and Rec. Parks and Rec, which I never got into. But Oh. I know. God. I know. We're not going to start on that. You should watch you that You don't show. like How Much Your Mother, so we're fine. Okay. <laughs> Fair. Uh, but he... So, I, he was one of the parts I liked least when I tried to watch Parks and Rec... Uh-huh. Um, but I've really enjoyed his stand-up. Like I watched a couple of his stand-up specials. I really appreciate. Like he's, I think he's very funny. Yeah. I think he makes a lot of good jokes. Did you watch Master of None on Netflix? I did. It was great. Yeah, really Loved cool. Master of None. Um, which is a lot about this sort of like, like dating world and like how to exist in the future right now. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently, in addition to being like a stand-up comedian and writing and directing his own TV show, um, he did a year-long sociological study with a sociologist. Hmm. Um, doing focus groups around dating in the U.S. today. Wow. Um, and wrote a book about it called Modern Romance. That's unexpected. Uh, and I'm reading it. And it's it's funny because, like, I'm reading it in his voice, which I don't often do for people. <laughs> but, like, I'm, like, it's like, oh, that's how I, like, I can hear him saying that. Like, it's got his cadences and things. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he, like, would do these focus groups and he'd come out and do some stand-up and talk you know do some jokes about relationships and texting and dating and things and then he would bring out his sociologist friend that he was doing this with and they would among other things they would ask lots of questions and they would have like people pull out their phones and show like the text messages they've been having with a person they were dating recently and like what and how that started then like tracking like what the initial ask looked like and how it goes from there and Mm -hmm. sort of like and like figuring out like what the world dating a world of dating looks like today for people generally speaking our age uh-huh. i just started the book but it's already fascinating that sounds super interesting uh, yeah and it's and it's also funny because it's written by a comedian which helps right of course um it's one of the things that i think is is absolutely amazing that makes sense but was so weird is he started off by starts the book off talking about uh, interviewing a lot of folks at uh, like senior citizen homes uh-huh. Uh, and asking about their experience dating and getting married and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, it was always you married someone who lived less than 10 miles away from you. Hmm. And, like, you, you grew up in a town, and someone from that town is who you were going to marry. Because those are the people you would know. And that's who you're going to interact with. And, right. and in some places, like, he, was, he, he talked to one woman who married the guy who lived upstairs from her in her apartment building. <laughs> like, that's like, yeah. and it was that close. Like, so not even the same block, just the same building. Wow. Um, and this sort of thing. And he was, and he was talking about, like, um, and the perceptions of relationships were very different. And for, particularly for a lot of women, and the women he was talking to, um, marriage was their first chance to get out of their house and be adults mm. and so there's often a very so people went from high school to marriage very quickly uh-huh. because between those women were not leaving their house they were staying at home living with their families with their parents being all domestic until they got married whatever. and got to move out yeah. and so there was a lot of rush whereas our our 
you know, people that age today have have a late adulthood, so to speak. You know, as opposed to young adulthood. Right. He has a fancy name for it in the book. I remember this, but it's you know, twenty five to thirty five, where they're still like being an adult for the first time. They're still mm. figuring out their lives, and you know, our this generation is getting married at a much much later rate, like twenty eight, twenty nine, thirty, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to twenty twenty two, eighteen. Yeah, from a generation or two ago, uh, and we have all this technology and these interrays talking to each other, and nobody likes to call anymore for their date. It's all done via text message, right? Uh, which is cool because there's like records of it, so which is really helpful for sociological studies because you can go and look at the text message records, which is really cool. And Tinder has it all on their servers. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> uh, I don't think he got that, but it was. But it's it's sort of this really fascinating thing. And, you know, he's very much of the opinion, like, it's different. It's not better, it's not worse. It's yeah. different. Yeah, it's just different. But it can also be overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you're not going to marry someone who lives down the block from you, you know, who lives across the street from you. It's, you're gonna, you, if, if you're going to get married to somebody, it could be anyone. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Austin has, what, 1.6 million people in it? Probably. Like... That's a huge, let's say half of them are single. That's, you know, math, 700,000 people. That's not the right number. 800,000 people who are potentially single. Half of them of the the gender you appreciate more. So that's 400,000 people in this town alone who you could potentially be partnered with. Right. And we're much more focused on finding a soulmate than you were two generations ago. And that's, and so those two trends are so divergent yeah like because before if it was uh, convenience is the wrong word but a marriage of like this guy's cool i let's get married right, like they like yeah they seem fine they provide like features yeah. in a human that are good for me mm-hmm. like, steady paycheck house over my head right yeah like capable capable of giving me children like all those yeah. kinds of things like let's get married yeah and it worked. Mo- and it worked and then, a lot of and the time. over time, you grow to like each other and things like that. And, yeah. and you you grow together, and that certainly can still happen. And I would argue, in a lot of relationships, still does happen. Right. But but now the it's a prerequisite to like to, it to be the one right. to be perfect. Right. And that's way harder to feel like that need is met when your pool is exponentially larger. Because what if there's someone better? What if there's someone just a little bit closer to what you're looking for? Right. Because if I could potentially, like, you could say my pool is anybody female, single, internet connected, and... Into into dudes. (laughs) Into dudes and in a certain age range. Yeah. Right? Some age age bracket. Like, that is... A massive millions and millions and millions of people in the world. Then speaks English because I, yeah, that's because I'm dumb and I don't know other languages. Um, like that's an enormous amount of people. Like, am I expected? Am I like if I think I have to find the one person? Mm -hmm. Like that's impossible. Yeah. Like I'm just gonna say that's impossible. Yeah. Because fairy tales aren't real and fate's not real. So like it's impossible to find the one person in the world who you could be best with. Mm Hmm. So it's comforting to think back to generations ago where you just marry a person because they're pretty good. Yeah. And it works. And hope, hope and it works fine. out. Yeah. Except for sometimes when you marry somebody and it doesn't work. And it doesn't. So you Which happens divorce. too. Yeah. Which it's funny. <laughs> uh, you mentioned that because there is a – I mentioned earlier that you know, two of my aunts, their second husbands were each both alcoholics. Yeah, that's an interesting coincidence. Um, it is. 
but there is also a ton of divorce in my family, mm-hmm. uh, which is to say, so uh, my maternal grandmother was divorced once before she married my grandfather. Mm-hmm. Um, one of her daughters has been divorced on that side. Uh, on my father's side, both of my aunts have been married three times. Wow. Yeah. Um, I have a cousin who's been divorced twice. Um, I think that's all of them. But but that's a lot of like this sort of yeah um, divorce, which is interesting because it it was never like I grew up. My parents are still together. Like they've been together uh-huh. a long time. Me plus five. However old I am, plus five years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and they've stayed together. And I don't expect them to get divorced. They've made it this far. They'll probably stick it out for a while. Yeah, I feel like once <clears throat> once you've gotten through your kids. Like it's, yeah, it's much less house, likely like, to happen. You're, yeah. You can kind of just coast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't have to talk to anybody. If you don't like each other, just you know, right. sit in different parts of the house. You'll be fine. <laughs> uh, although I'm sure they still love each other very much. <laughs> Not trying to imply anything by that. Um, but uh, it's interesting because I was never, I never felt like there was much of a of a taboo against a divorce because of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is. I don't know if that's you know something that was intentionally instilled or just because I knew it had happened a lot. Yeah, it was just like some relationships get end up in a divorce and some don't. Yeah, and and it was always like like with maybe one exception. Every time someone in my family got divorced, we were behind them. Like we were like, yeah, that guy was terrible. Ah. Uh, we and even if we only kind of felt that way, in most cases he probably was. But even if we only kind of thought that we got behind the person who was our family, not like, oh, how could you do this? But like, no, this is the right thing. Let's let's band together as be a family. Let's be happy about this. Mm. Um, it's a good thing for a family to do, right? Yep. Um, but so I so I don't know. That's interesting uh, that that is that there was that much divorce in my extended family. Yeah, I don't know. But Although I never, that's I probably not. Taboo. It's probably not as unusual. It was unusual to me that like my grandmother was divorced. Like, it seems that weird was, for like older people yeah, to have that um, you know that's that was was fascinating to me because I didn't because that wasn't a thing at that age. Uh, mm-hmm. But not only was she divorced, they had a kid before he left, uh, who is my eldest aunt, mm-hmm. um, and was subsequently adopted by my actual grandfather. And like that was because oh. like her her bio dad scampered off. Oh, okay, he was basically a sperm donor. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, he um, did. He did marry my grandmother, but other than that, he was right. Like, I don't even know his name. Like, I, I wow. know nothing about the man. So very low impact in the family. Yeah, and 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 my aunt does not consider him her father. So just biologically, yeah. that's the only. That's connection. the only connection. Interesting. Um, there's actually a fairly a large, not a fairly. There's there's three or four adoptions in my family too, which is also one of those things that I'm very nonchalant about. So I feel like that's more unusual than the divorce thing. Yeah, because like probably you, you have a bunch of divorces in your family, mm-hmm. but. Like, there is a significant divorce rate. Like, lots of marriages end in divorce. So That's it's true. Probably not that unusual. Yeah. That that amount. Ended, yeah. But We've got, I think, three adoptions in my family. I don't think I have anybody in my family that I know of that's adopted. Well, my aunt was half adopted because my grandfather adopted her. Right. Um, and one of my two of my cousins were adopted that I can think of. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um. The. The divorce thing being a, like being a taboo or not. Yeah. So I don't 
there's very little divorce in my family. I think just one of one of my aunts got divorced. I can't think of any others. Yeah. Um, and she got divorced because uh, her husband was just cheating on her. Like very it's a good reason to get divorced. Right. Like very very cut and dry. He was yeah. cheating on her. He got caught. He was like, okay, fine. We're get, we're breaking up and getting divorced. It was, and that was it. Yeah. Right. Um, but here comes like Jesse's religious past. Like I grew up as an evangelical Christian. Yeah. Like getting divorced is a really bad thing. Yeah. Right. Like you get you don't get divorced. You don't because you get married and you make a covenant with God, mm-hmm. and that is and that can't be undone. It cannot. Like one flesh, that whole mm-hmm. theological thing. As uh, Shakespeare said, the beast with two backs. <laughs> the beast with two backs, yes. I don't think he was talking specifically about marriage in that context, but uh, yeah, you get the picture. It plays a part. Um, so, like, when, when I got divorced, like, it was really weird because it was like, I'm not supposed to do this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, this is this is bad. This is wrong. Yeah. Like, something something terrible is happening. But it was clear that, like, I got divorced and it was good. You yeah, know what I mean? like it was I, a good thing. It was it was weird to realize like I'm like Jen and I chose to get divorced, mm-hmm. and it was a good thing that we were doing it. But at the same time, like wrestling with the ideas and all of the yeah. influence from my past that like you cannot do this. This is bad. This yeah. is wrong. Like marriages are forever. Blah blah blah. Um, but it was really good because like ours was is and was like very amicable, which is good. That's right. not always the case. Not always the case. Like. Neither one of us cheated on the other. Like, there was no hard feelings, no anger or bitterness or anything. And, like, we're still close and good friends, and it's awesome. But still, the whole, like, like, are you sure you're supposed to get divorced? Like, this, you know? Like, I remember, like, telling people, telling my family yeah. about it, and it was like, well, let's talk about this. Like, mm-hmm. you got to make sure. None, none of the, like, oh, like, what did that bitch do? Like, let's yeah. be your back, Jesse. Like, yeah. screw her. It was like, are you sure? Yeah, I was like, well, hold on. Like, what does God want? You know? Yeah. <laughs> Um, and I remember we did, uh, we did like pre-marriage, like counseling, mm-hmm. uh, my sister's going through that right now with this amazing couple who like, I love to death. They're like kind of second parents. You went through it with a couple or you had it administered by a couple? Administered by this couple. Oh, that's really interesting. Um, they're, they're like my second parents. Yeah. Um, and it was wonderful and really, really helpful. Yeah. And I remember when they found out, like they did the whole, like, like one of them like offered to like come fly down to Austin to oh, wow. talk to us, like, yeah. which I know came from like a place of like we love you, and we want to help you, uh-huh. but it just made us feel like shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It's it's super weird. And then now like being single, which I've never experienced for any length of yeah. time. Yeah, really, it's weird. Yeah, it's super weird. I remember being single being very weird. Yeah. Like, again, I didn't I didn't really get into it until I was in grad school. Uh-huh. And even then, like, I was only single for six months. Like, I'm <laughs> I'm dreading when I eventually, like, decide to... Like, try and start try dating Try to start again. dating people. Yeah. Because I'm like, it just sounds exhausting. Yeah. And tedious. Well, I have another friend who, who went through all of that um, not too long ago. And he would tell me stories of, like, internet dating and, like, all of the... Basically, all of the failures, like, right. of just sort of like, hey, did a thing, and it was going well, but then it stopped going well, and then it was over. Like it's right. and and it just over and over again. And he was also the kind of person who would like catalog them, so like try and figure out like why everything failed and how to make it better. Very but, analytical about yeah. it. Yeah, it's probably not helpful for any of them. <laughs> probably not. 
but the the difference between like being in a mode like you were describing where you're in a series of serious relationships yeah and then trying to figure out how to be Mm-hmm. Just in casual dating mode, yeah. where you can just go on dates with various people, and yeah. like you're not committed to one or the other. I have no other. idea how to do that. It just sounds that sounds crazy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, because yeah, anytime anytime I dated someone, even like people I dated for like a couple weeks, uh-huh. I was committed. Like I was into it. But you can, which was difficult when they weren't. <laughs> like you can't help it in your brain. Right? Yeah, like it just clicks, and yeah. you're like, you're my girlfriend. <laughs> Yeah, which did backfire once pretty significantly. <laughs> I'm sure. It was like, no, we're done. Bye. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but I do really like the whole... You know, this all started because you talked about going to IHOP. Right? Yeah. IHOP by yourself. Yeah. Like, doing stuff by yourself is tons of fun. Absolutely. Like, I really like it. Yeah. I tried to do that. I told you about my lunch experience today. Like, I tried yeah. to go to lunch by myself and just go to yeah. a pizza place and enjoy a pizza place by myself. And it didn't work out because I got got sabotaged by some coworkers. people you know but like going to a restaurant by yourself yeah just go and do an activity by yourself well and i'm really nice i'm i'm i was really excited when i figured out i could do that like uh-huh. that was kind of cool it's like oh i don't have to like be with a person to do a thing that i like right like going to see a movie by myself an amazing experience yeah like i still do that occasionally because I'm, I'm a big fan of uh riff tracks i don't know if you know riff tracks i'm familiar um, so I'm I'm a huge fan of Riff Tracks, Mystery Science Theater 3000. Like, that's all my jam. Uh-huh. People making fun of movies by talking over them. Like, that's, yeah. that's my jam. Yeah, it's a lot of good humor there. A lot of good stuff. And I like doing it, but Amy is not – that's not her jam. Uh-huh. Like, she's tried it a couple times. She's like, nope, you're watching a bad movie. It's a bad movie. <laughs> and I totally respect that. Like, it's like, yep, yeah, you're – that's fair. It's not for everybody. So it's a thing you get to do on your own. But it's a thing I do myself. And so, um, you know, two or three times a year, there's a Rift Tracks live event that gets broadcast to cinemas nationwide. And I go see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, sometimes I'll put a thing out on my Twitter, like, hey, anybody want to go see this with me? But I've kind of even stopped trying because I don't want to have to explain. So, like, they're going to play a movie – and there's these three guys who are going to talk over the movie the whole time making jokes. <laughs> so you have to pay attention to what's going on in the movie so you understand the jokes. Right. But you're not there for the movie. Yeah. You're and there like, for the jokes. And, and again, the people who get it are like, oh, yeah, cool. But I have a lot of – but I don't know anybody in particular who wants to go do that with me. And so I've just made it happen. It's like it's something I can do myself. For future reference, I would enjoy that. Cool. Well, there's one on August 22nd. Okay. <laughs> Clear your calendar. That's, uh, that's, that's this Monday. Uh, it's Tuesday, I think, is actually – I have to look up it. They're doing Mothra. I have seen that, I think. Um, I you, think I've, I've not seen already. it, but I know it exists. You I probably haven't I'm, seen it made fun of by the guys from Rift Tracks. I sure haven't. Um, Rifttracks.com slash live. That sounds like a blast. Um, well, maybe we'll go do that. My first exposure to Rift Tracks was... Um, uh, do you know, Tuesday, 23rd. So next Tuesday. Okay. Do you know uh, Maximum Fun, the podcast network? I know of it. Um, I listened to uh, a couple episodes of Judge, Judge John Hodgman, uh-huh. and that was about it. Yeah, I've I've listened to uh, their podcast for a long time. Yeah, um, I, I was a, a donor at one point, mm-hmm. and one of the like donor bonus things yeah. that you get was some special riff tracks that they did. Oh, cool! They would do some old fifties PSA, yeah, like public PSA. Oh, the educational and, shorts are the yeah, best. Yeah, and they and you know they would have their different podcast hosts yeah do some riffs on those and they are so funny like some of my some of my favorite comedy yeah well there's also um i've never i've I've lived in austin for five years and i haven't gone to see them there's a group called master pancake 
that does live movie riffing here in Austin. Yeah? Yeah. That's awesome. We should go see him sometime. That sounds like a good idea. Yeah. Uh, but I, I when I moved to Austin, and it's this is very much the kind of thing I would do, and I try not to do it anymore, but I get very angry about dumb things sometimes. <laughs> um, so I moved to Austin, and a friend of mine was like, oh, we should go see Master Pancake one, some, one sometime. I'm like, oh, what's that? And he goes, oh, it's like uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000. They make fun of uh, movies. And I'm like, they can't do that. That's Mystery Science Theater thing. That's Rift Tracks thing. You can't do that. <laughs> like, which is the dumbest thing to get mad about. You can't claim a format. <laughs> like, it's like, well, what if they're funny and good at it? Who cares? Right. And so that's, uh, so I still haven't gotten to see them because I was stubborn five years ago. That's funny. Yeah. That's like telling us that we're not allowed to podcast because there's lots of other people who yeah. are two white dudes yeah. who are better at podcasting. Uh, well, and it, what, it, what is weird to me, and I, and I think this is why I was extra like mad about it, is Mystery Science, Mystery Science Theater 3000 basically invented this in a formalized nature. Like, uh-huh. you know, in the late 80s, they sort of created the idea. Okay. Of, of movie riffing. Mm-hmm. You know, they had the, the Joel and the two little bots in the little bottom corner of the screen. Yeah. And nothing really existed like that before. And those same people who were involved in Mystery Science Theater 3000 are still doing things like that. They're uh-huh. still riffing. So the three guys from Riff Tracks, um, they, they are relaunching Mystery Science Theater 3000 on Netflix. Like, it got kickstarted. Oh, it's yeah. coming back. I heard about that. And it's going to have Jonah Ray and... Felicia Day in it, and uh, oh, a third person. A third person who's also funny, but I don't like his stand-up. Um, <laughs> I keep trying to like his stand-up, but I don't. Patton Oswalt. Oh, oh, he's very funny, and I tried to watch one of his stand-up specials. I don't, I don't like his stand-up. He's really funny in lots of things, though. Yeah, well, he's also a super nerd. Like, I, I feel like I would get along with him in, a, in like a person. You should walk. You should watch Parks and Rec. He has an incredible guest star. I've seen. I've seen that. Okay. It was great. Which he entirely ad libbed. I know. And it was amazing. And I loved it. And so, like, I was like, I should love his stand up. I watch it. and I'm like, eh, no thanks. Yeah, I, I don't get it. Um, but they're all in it um, as well as a couple of people. But like, but it's also like the original guy, Joel, is. Like behind it, and so it's still doing it, and so it's like all the people who are professional movie riffers are mm-hmm. the people who have been professional movie riffers for the past twenty five years, mm. and so it's very weird to me that like oh somebody else can do that, right? It's like well they're not one of the people who did that, and so there was like this weird like ownership of it <laughs> to me for Master Pancake, who were originally called Mister E's. Mr. Like MR period E's Science Theater. Um, uh, and they got in trouble for that. It's now they're Master Pancake. Yeah. Master Pancake's a good name. It's a good name. Yeah, like I'm happy really with it as a name. name. Uh, but I should go see them riff a movie at the draft house sometime. Yeah, you should uh, drop your weird mind yeah. guards. Like I I'm sure they're funny. I'm sure they're great. Yeah. Mary Jo Pale, who who's one of the riffers that I'm okay with because she was involved in the process, has done stuff with them. Like that alone should be acceptable. That's weird. Yeah. And it's funny because I don't actually care anymore. Like I'd like to go see them. I just, you haven't. just haven't. I just haven't. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh Tuesday, what are you doing? You working late? Uh, probably. Don't work late on Tuesday. Oh actually, yeah, I am. I'm closing <sighs> on Tuesday night. Well, I'm going to go see uh, Riff Tracks Live, Riff Mothra. I hope you have fun. I you will. should tell me how it goes. 
I will. In however many weeks, you will hear the recording of when Kevin tells me how it goes. <laughs> it was great. Yeah. <laughs> I, I suspect it will be amazing. Um, I'm going to take a pee break. Yeah. And then we should talk about my trip to Maine. So I spent a week in Maine. Yeah. And uh, the most important thing that happened was my was that my brother got married. Oh, that's exciting. Which is really cool. Uh, but also I does got your, a tattoo. Does your brother live in Maine? My sister lives in Maine. So we went to my sister's house. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> my brother lives in Tennessee. But you can't really call it living. Well, it's because he... They're transitioning from Ohio to Tennessee. Okay. So they don't super live anywhere yet. They're working on it. They're working on it. Um, They just got to get married. Lay off. Yeah. Uh, But my brother gave me a tattoo. The same one who got married? The same one who got married. I have one brother and one sister. Okay. Um, This happened a couple nights after the wedding. Yeah. Uh, He was supposed to give a tattoo to everyone in the family. Uh Uh-huh. But everyone else wimped out after they... Watched you do it? Witnessed my suffering. <laughs> uh, and so it's just a... It appears to just be a whole bunch of dots on the... I mean, it looks like moles is really what the, I what I expected the, it to look like. On the a, top half of my forearm? Yeah. yeah. It does look like a bunch of moles. Um, but too many moles for the top half of your yeah, forearm? enough moles that you should go to a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, but if you know it's a tattoo, it still just looks like a bunch of random dots. But what it is, it's the constellation of Orion. Okay. Um, my my whole family was going to get a different constellation each. Well, that's cool. My mother was going to get Cassiopeia the Queen. That's that's pretty cool. She's my mom. Yeah. My sister's favorite constellation is the Pleiades. Yeah. Uh, mine's Orion. Uh, I don't know where my brother's is, but I'm sure he'll give himself another tattoo eventually. <laughs> Does he give himself a lot of tattoos? He has more than a dozen self-given tattoos. Wow. Probably. Uh, it was a, it's a method called stick and poke. Okay. Um, so instead of a tattoo gun, yeah, where the needle is rapidly moving up and down and yeah. it's going in and out of your skin like crazy, and you're doing lines and shading and all that I've, stuff. I'll take your word for it. Having never gotten a tattoo, that's a traditional tattoo. Yeah, it's just a gun where the needle moves really, really fast up and down. So as okay. it moves along your skin, it's just stabbing you thousands of times and depositing. That sounds great. Depositing yeah. ink. With the stick and poke, you hold a tattoo needle in your hand. Okay. And you just stab it into your skin. Okay. And pull it out, and it leaves a <laughs> dot of ink. Okay. So that's that's why the the uh, you specifically went with the like the the constellation, constellation one dot necessary per per star. Yeah. So some of these some of them are bigger than others. Yeah. Like the feet and the shoulders of Orion and the belt. Uh, so those are multiple dots. Okay. And like the smaller things are just one. Uh, overall, it was like I think it's like forty different stabs. Oops. Forty yeah. pokes. Each one takes like ten seconds to do because, like, you stab it in and then you leave it there for a couple seconds and then you pull it out. That sounds. Uh, I, I want to say it sounds terrible, but it doesn't necessarily sound any worse than getting a tattoo. It's well, so I've never. I don't have. This is my only tattoo, my yeah. first and only one. I've never experienced a traditional tattoo with a tattoo gun, but yeah. apparently, doing a stick and poke is way more painful. Really? Okay. Really. So that was unexpected to me. Because the idea of having a gun stabbing rapidly you a stabbing you yeah. a lot. I mean, it's the same idea. Is that you're, you're poking a needle. Yeah. 
yeah. covered in ink down into your skin so as to leave it there forever. But I guess the speed and the repetition of a gun makes it so it's more of just like a general pain happening in an area. Huh. But when you're doing stick and poke, it you're it you feel Each one. you feel a stab into your body each time and then it's pulled out like it's extremely I mean that's, that's super hipstery it is <laughs> um like stick and poke yeah. is the hipster name for what is essentially a prison tattoo yeah I mean, yeah that's the well or a tattoo before tattoo guns existed right like it's worth pointing out that that humanity has been giving itself tattoos for a very long time for hundreds if not thousands of years right and so before tattoo guns existed, it was, I'm sure, a very similar process of mm-hmm. ink and a stick and, you know, a pointy thing. Yeah. So mine is a constellation, which you normally see represented by a series of dots with lines connecting them. Yeah, you just got the dots. To draw the figure. I didn't do the lines because it would have been hundreds of more yeah. dots. You could theoretically go to a, a uh, tattoo artist and have them fill in the lines. And I might do that. Yeah. I might, I might have someone with a gun just do like very fine lines. So as, or you could do something like, uh, like a white ink. Right. Where they're there, but not obvious. Yeah. Very faint, but just so it's noticeable, noticeably a constellation instead of not just a bunch of weird moles, a bunch of dots on my arm. (laughs) But it was, it was really, I mean, now that you say it's a rhyme, like I can, I can obviously the belt and see the legs. And so, um, one of them, you can see one of my dots is bruised. Yeah. Uh, and that's because when the needle was, he pushed the needle in uh-huh. and it was inside and then he flinched, <laughs> like his hands just <laughs> flinched and it went like a half inch too deep oh. and it just, and he, then he ripped it out. That does not sound good. Yeah. It was really bad. So that one's still a little bruised. Yeah. But other than that, like, I mean, it looks like for getting a tattoo a few days ago, uh huh, it looks really good. Yeah. Cause when you traditionally get a tattoo, like it. It bleeds while you do it. Yeah. You need like a lot of healing time. It scabs and it peels and you need to lotion and yeah. have it wrapped and all that. None of that. I went to sleep that night with like, you know, the dots were like welted. Yeah. But when I woke up, they were all normal and it's been perfectly oh, wow. fine and healed since. That's pretty cool. So I would say, again, I haven't had a traditional tattoo, yeah. but overall the experience probably seemed better. It seemed I mean? easier? Maybe, yeah, like, yeah. Like each stab is it's very not fun, painful, yeah. but like it hurts for ten seconds, and then it's over. Yeah, and then it hurts for another ten seconds, and then right. it's over. <laughs> right, as opposed to like hours in a chair with yeah. the general pain the whole time. Well, what's interesting is this. This reminds me of something that I I thought about doing in grad school, and and still kind of like the idea because I've I've I think tattoos are neat. I don't know that I want one. Okay. Um, like I've I've thought about some tattoos I would get, and I've had like oh if I was gonna get a tattoo I would do this. Uh, one I considered for a really long time was getting a figure eight on the webbing of my thumb. Okay. My finger on my left hand. Uh, hope you got that one on, on, <laughs> on tape. Yeah, we record the tape. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Made a big old reel-to-reel. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta switch them out. That's what the P-brakes are for. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, but I consider that. And that was a uh, uh, related to my history with the Boy Scouts. Uh-huh. Uh, so there's a camp I worked at uh, called Twin Arrows and... One of their icons is a figure eight, uh, mm. which stands for the first eight words of the Scout Oath, which are, on my honor, I will do my best. Nice. Which, are, which, are, which is kind of cool. And so uh, for a year or so, I actually would hand draw a little figure eight on the webbing of my thumb with a pen. Really? Uh, for like months at a time. 
and just like redraw it every day is sort of like a cool thing. I thought that was neat. I like that idea because that's like practicing commitment. That's kind of what it was. Yeah, it was like, like if I got this as a could tattoo, I live with it? would I like it here forever? And, and hand tattoos are tricky because they're hard to hide. Yes. Uh, and so I haven't done it. Uh-huh. Uh, although I'm, you know, in my last few positions would have been okay to have a hand tattoo. Like if I had one now, nobody would care. Yeah. But it's one of those like, eh, you know, and I'm, I'm still hesitant to get a tattoo at all. Uh-huh. Um, also, the the permanence of them is a little bit weird to me mm-hmm. uh, because I was dumb ten years ago, and ten years ago I knew I was dumb ten years ago, and so there's that always in, that sort of in ten years you will think you are dumb currently. I'm afraid that's the case. Like maybe not. Maybe I'll look back at myself in ten years and be like, no, I was brilliant back then. <laughs> but I don't. I the pattern doesn't hold there. Right. And so I'm, I was always been hesitant to like pick a thing that would last for a really long time. Yeah. Uh, and by a long time I mean like forever yeah as long as you're effectively. alive effectively and uh, so that led to my other thought for getting a tattoo was something that would be have equal meaning across all time which was to have a playing card tattooed on like my chest okay uh, so that if I was wearing like a button down shirt like I am right now I could do a magic trick and reveal your card <laughs> tattooed on my chest that would be so such a good trick right oh my gosh right like but and so like yeah it's a cheesy magic trick. like oh get a, che- a tattoo for a cheesy magic trick. but it's always gonna have the same amount of impact that will that would blow my fucking mind right yeah if i just opened up my shirt right now and you saw three of clubs that's a, that, that's <laughs> impossible like that's an impossible trick and i i mean that's and I was mostly thinking about this when I was single <laughs> because I thought it would be an amazing way to pick up chicks with magic tricks. Uh... No. <laughs> no, it's a terrible plan. It's not a good plan. Yeah, don't do that. But I, you know, again, I was dumb 10 years ago. So exactly. I was like, aha, this would be, this would be great because I, I had a whole plan. Like I would get the tattoo and like the day of, I would um, like go do the trick at like a bar. Uh-huh. And so, like, have to, like, peel the bandage off <laughs> and, like, see, like, the raw, scabby skin, but still visibly the, the three of clubs, which is the card I would use. I know which card I would use, three of clubs, mm. uh, for two reasons. A, it's an easy card to uh, make out. Like, it's, very, it's a very clear and easy-to-read card. It's unique-looking. Uh-huh. And B, it's the card trick that – it's the card that Penn & Teller use in all of their card tricks if there's a card force. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, it was just, it's a thing that's kind of known. It's like they're just, they're trademark. Enforcement. And they do it because it's really easy to see on TV uh, or, or at a distance. It's really clear to make out. Yeah. Um, and there, there's been times they don't do it, but if you ever see Penn and Teller doing a trick and the three of clubs comes up, you know, it's a forced, a forced card. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, and so what I love the idea of like peeling off a raw bandage and, and being like, is, is this, this your card? card? <laughs> <laughs> you know, David Blaine on steroids sort of thing. <laughs> oh my God, David Blaine. <laughs> but I was, I thought that, that'll surely get someone to like me. Surely. <laughs> How could you not fall in love yeah, with someone immediately. who peels their wounded flesh <laughs> yeah, for your just, you know, entertainment? Just throwing your clothes off. Oh my God. <laughs> Uh, but I still think it would make a really fun magic that, trick. That, like, is a, that is a pretty good to trick. To have, like, in so, my back pocket, so to speak. That's an incredibly good magic trick. I don't think it's a good tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's like, it's unfortunate that it has to be a tattoo. To be such a good magic trick. That makes it such a good trick. Um, I've struggled, struggled with the whole tattoo thing mentally yeah. for a long time. I used to think that tattoos were... 
you know, just kind of dumb. Like, yeah. why bother? Yeah. You know what I mean? But then I started knowing people interested in tattoos and getting them. Primarily my brother. Yeah. Um, Are all of his self-inflicted? No. Okay. So most of most of his tattoos, most of his... Sorry, Josh. Most of his good tattoos are done by uh, a friend named Zane. Okay. Who is my ex-wife's brother. Okay. Um, who's a phenomenal tattoo artist. Cool. So I'll like, call him if I need my three of clubs. Yeah. Like truly one of the best tattoo artists mm-hmm. I've ever known um, or been aware of. Yeah. Uh, so my brother has a lot of like just incredibly high quality tattoos from him. Yeah. Like all over chest, both arms, legs, lots of them. And that's when, like, him getting those tattoos made me realize, like, wow, tattoos are art. Yeah. Like, these are beautiful. They're incredible works of of art. Like, beautiful, (laughs) yeah, beautiful things to have on your body. But I still struggled with the, like, like, the permanence of it. Yeah. Like, why? I feel you. And the whole, like, I know I was dumb 10 years ago. I'm sure I'm going to think I was dumb 10 years from now. Yeah. Like, anything I do now is going to be, I'll regret later, right? But then seeing such high quality tattoos mm-hmm. is like, well, it's going to be hard to regret something so beautiful. beautiful yeah. right? Well, the other argument I've, I've heard in relationship to that is like, it's a memory. Like, it's a memento right. of me being dumb when I was 15. Right. Or like, that's, and that's still valid. That's not who I am anymore, but it's a reminder. And it can be appreciated that way. Absolutely. Um, but then also, my, like, my mental thinking kind of shifted where, like, you don't have to, like, have the confidence at your current age to know that you like what you like and you're going to like what you like forever mm-hmm. and your tastes are going to be the same forever. Yeah. So you can just get a bunch of tattoos and love them as you did forever. Yeah. Like your body is a temporary thing. Like your body. A hundred percent valid. Yeah. Especially, you know, like as, as a Christian, like your body is a temporary thing. It's what, <clears throat> it's what like you are in while you're on earth. Mm-hmm. Like you just put a bunch of tattoos on it. Yeah, because it's, it's fun and it's cool and like you like it and yeah. whatever. And then your body dies and they all go away. Like yeah. who really cares? <laughs> um, so like, there's that kind of aspect to it. Um, but so then I was like, yeah, I'd love to get some tattoos, mm-hmm. right? Like I have this outlook on tattoos yeah. now. I'd love to get some, but then I just could never make the jump. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like now I have to come up with an idea. You got to pick a tattoo. I have to be committed enough to like get my first tattoo. Yeah. And like, I often hear the first one's the hardest. Well, I mean, hopefully. Um, <laughs> like, I had ideas, and mm-hmm. I, you know, I've had stuff, and I just never bothered to yeah. get it done. Even though I would really like to have, mm-hmm. I'd like, I'd like to have lots of tattoos. Okay. Um, but then hanging out with my family in Maine, and my brother being like, "I got needles and ink, like, like let's, let's do some, do a tattoo. Let's do some stick and pokes." And it was yeah. just like a nice, like, casual, easy, and simple enough environment yeah. to just be like, you know, yeah, let's do it. Like, I'll get a stick and poke. This wasn't an idea I had ever had before to mm-hmm. get the Orion constellation. But we were all, when we were in Maine, the um, the Pierside meteor shower happened. Yeah. So we were talking about, like, space and stars and constellations mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And so the idea just came up amongst all of us. Like, let's all get a constellation tattoo. And yeah. I've always, I don't have a good reason why, but, like, the Orion constellation has always been my favorite. Like, It's the galaxies in Orion's belt. Yeah. That's sure. A, it's a Men in Black reference. Oh, I didn't get that one. Sorry. It's okay. Um, it's uh, Orion is really prominent uh, in the like northeast. Okay. Or in the like uh, farther the main... up, farther up in the northern hemisphere. Yeah. So like I've always seen it. It's always super prominent, yeah. especially in like the winter sky. So I was like, yeah, like I want to get Orion. This is cool. really cool. So now I have 
a tattoo. Yeah. And I feel like, oh, sure, like, if I'm going to get another tattoo, it's my second tattoo. Yeah, it's easy at that like, point. <laughs> no big deal. Like, I can just get whatever. Like, it yeah. doesn't have to be, like, a big commitment thing because mm-hmm. I did such a small, little, silly thing as my first one. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. I would – so, again, relating tattoos to Penn & Teller – who literally, like, are the reason I've even considered getting tattoos in the first place. Do they have tattoos? Um, they don't, as far as I know. Okay. But both of them have done a thing that's mentioned in a couple of their books that I thought was a fascinating idea, which is getting a tattoo without any ink. That's just stabbing yourself. It is. Um, but there, so uh, Penn did it once that I know of, and Teller's done it as well. Um, he, he did it on stage as part of a card trick, which was so metal. Okay, wow. Yeah, I loved it. That's very metal. It's so metal. Because they're doing a card trick while he's getting a tattoo, and he turns around and it says Three of Clubs. But with no ink. No ink. So just blood. So, like, you're bleeding because you're using a tattoo gun and there's lots of blood. Right. Um, and so, because there was lots of blood, it was visible what the tattoo was at a distance because it was the number three and a club. But then when it heals, there's nothing left behind. Well, so the thing is, and so and this is why I thought about it, is there's enough scar tissue there that lasts about two to three years that it's still slightly visible, like vaguely visible. Just as, like, lines in your skin. Yeah, and you, if you know what it is, you can make it out, but it's not obvious. Huh. Um, and I'm like, oh, that's neat. Like, cause that's, that's, it's not a permanent choice. It's, it's not obvious, which is one of those things I worried about, like, getting my figure eight. Right. It's like, that's going to be obvious. Like, I'm going to walk into a room, and they're going to see that if they look at my hand. Like, that's, right. that's hard to hide. Like, you could get an inkless figure eight on your hand, and it and would be And everybody would notice. Right. Um, and That's interesting. And, and so I know, I know Penn's done it at least once, um, and he, he did it as a way to uh, make his girlfriend more attracted to him. Because the way he positions, like, I want to get your name tattooed on me in blood. <laughs> <laughs> and so he had a, a anatomically correct heart with her name on it, uh, which That's was cool. which was brilliant. And like, there's there's pictures of it in the book, uh, which is I think that one was in How to Play How to Play in Traffic. Penn and Teller wrote like three books together as Penn and Teller. Uh-huh. Penn has since written a few more independently. Um, they did like uh, How to Play with Your Food, How to Play in Traffic. And Cruel Tricks for Dear Friends. And I think it was in How to Play in Traffic they did the stuff about the tattoos. That's interesting. And but and and I I've even gone as far as to like walk into a tattoo shop and ask about it. And like once I like they thought it was weird. Uh-huh. Because there's also a thing called scarification, which is dangerous and dumb and don't do it. Is that just like cutting? Yes. Okay. Um and cutting in such a way as to leave very obvious and intentionally like shaped scar tissue. Um, I guess I could see that having interesting effect yeah but that sounds horrible it does um and I, at first you're thinking like 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 that was what i'm like that's not what i want yeah uh, and he's like you want like white ink and i'm like no i want zero ink um huh. i talked to him about it and, and he's like i would just charge you for like a normal tattoo and i'm like oh cool and then i walked out and never came back because i was scared <laughs> yeah uh, but uh, it was a neat idea and i still like every now and then like, it's like i consider it and i know stick and poke might exist i'm like huh, i wonder if you do a stick and poke no ink tattoo that sounds like a terrible idea. I don't. I don't think that would work. <laughs> I don't think it would for something like this because yeah. it because it's such a minor. Yeah, like if, if there was an ink here, I don't. You wouldn't 
there would be nothing. Yeah. Whereas in a traditional tattoo, it is it is raised and scarred for. And right. it's, I mean, even if it was just for a couple of weeks, it'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Because part of me also wants to know what it's like to get a tattoo. Like what it feels like. Yeah. Yeah. Like. I don't know that I want to have a permanent alteration of my body uh-huh. other than, you know, existing in it. <laughs> I mean, other than the slow decline of death. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> other than that. But a part of me was like, I wonder what it would be like to feel like to get a tattoo. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, I'm interested in that, too. And yeah. now that I've gone through, like, apparently everyone who's had stick and poke tells says it's more painful than a standard tattoo. That's interesting. And like, sure, like I can, I survived that just fine. Like yeah. I can certainly survive a normal one, I guess. Yeah. Um, she had a face tattoo. I will never. She had the word "damaged" on your forehead, like Jared Leto in Suicide Squad. Oh my god! I didn't watch that, but that picture was the worst. I'm not going to watch that. No. Um. So, my brother's tattoos. Yeah. Right. He has. I described. He has many beautiful, mm-hmm. really incredible pieces. A lot of the ones that he has, though, are self-done. Mm-hmm. Um, most of, I think, all most of the ones he's done are stick and poke. Okay. So he has like he has like a little knife on his yeah. leg, like a little like lightning bolt on on another leg. Okay. He ha- he's done like his fingers and toes and stuff like lettering on his fingers and yeah. toes and stuff like that. Did he use a mustache finger? No. It, like he has like it spells out, out like words on oh, the okay. inside of his fingers and pads of his fingers and stuff cool. like that um one of the ones he has though he stick and poked the inside of his lower lip mm-hmm. so if you like pull your yeah, lower I, lip down i get you it yeah. reads a word and it read beaver because that was the last name of his girlfriend <clears throat> past tense here is real interesting i want to see where this goes so he got married last week. Not. <laughs> not to Miss Beaver? Not to Miss Beaver. He got married to the wonderful Joe. Uh-huh. Um, who was not okay with marrying somebody who had the last name of a former a girlfriend, girlfriend tattooed yeah. inside his lower lip. Yeah. So they had to come up with a solution. Yeah. Get it removed. That sounds difficult. Or alter it yeah. in a way where that seems more likely. No longer says beaver. Yeah. So they just chose to alter it. Yeah. And what they came up with was to draw one more line to change the word beaver to beaner. <laughs> I don't know that that's better. I'm going to tell you why. And oh my God. So okay. it doesn't like, now it has absolutely no significance. Beaner doesn't mean anything. It does though. Okay. Uh, it's not... a racial slur. Oh no, is it really? Yes. Oh shit. Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. It's a racial slur against Hispanic people. Really? Yes. Because they eat beans? Yes. Oh, I wasn't aware of that. Uh, has your brother done this already? Oh, yeah. No, it's happened. The, the inside of his lower lip says beaner. Oh, I wish I wish he knew that. <laughs> um, thankfully, it is a tattoo that no one will ever see. Well, what's extra weird about that, and this is why I was going to mention this when you were describing the lower lip tattoo. Uh-huh. 
Um, so I follow a couple people on Twitter who, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to start off with saying, I mean to cast no aspersions on your brother. <laughs> okay. Um, I follow a couple people on Twitter who uh, are journalists who write about domestic terrorism in the U.S. Okay. Um, with a particular focus on the actual threats of domestic terrorism, which are like white nationalist groups and sovereign citizen groups. Right. Not Muslims. Not yet. <laughs> because they're not actually a large terrorist threat in our country. Almost completely not yeah. at all. But groups like the the group that had the uh, the Oregon standoff. Yep. That took over the Bureau of Land Management building. All the like militias. Mm-hmm. And There's a lot of militias. Of There's a lot of um, white nationalists and neo-Nazis. Mm-hmm. Who do a lot of weird tattoo things. Well, they do a lot of weird tattoo things. But one of the things that they do, and I was reading about this via this Twitter feed, was they do a lot of hidden tattoos, which are not obvious to most people. And one of them is the lower lip tattoo. Oh, really? Yeah, where they will tattoo like a swastika or an SS or, you know, I don't know, kill people I don't like. <laughs> Iron Cross. <laughs> yeah, we have yeah, various various symbolism where it's not just unlikely you're going to see it, but you have to like, choose, to display, choose to display it. Yeah. Um, so as to be able to appear normal in the rest of the world, but still show their dedication to their brotherhood. Interesting. Um, and so the fact that your brother has a slur tattooed on his lower lip is really funny to me. Wow. And, and a little bit terrible. That's a horrible accident. It is a terrible accident. Let's see if we can come up with another letter. Yeah, what could add. you, uh, what could you, how else? We've already got Beaner. <laughs> yeah, his lower lip now says Beaner. All caps. Um, um, I don't know. But, like, I don't think Beaver's any better. Beaver's an animal. It's fine. I mean, it's, yeah. it's not great. I just, I think it's funny that, like. I mean, we can go add another line, make it Beamer. He's big into BMWs. Like, that's... Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I, I, I just find it so hilarious that his wife-to-be uh-huh. has a valid problem mm-hmm. with, like, kissing the lip... That says Beaver That on says it. the name of a former girlfriend. Yeah. Right? Like, I would be uncomfortable with mm-hmm. that. I respect that, that uncomfortableness. But then forget the whole accidental racist thing. <laughs> The solution of just writing the goofy word "beaner" yeah, on on your lip was, like was fine. She like she'd rather have that yeah, just the totally nonsensical. I mean, to me, that sounds like just like fine. That's better. It's it's something <laughs> right. Like I can't make you remove the tattoo <laughs> right because that's expensive and extra painful. Yeah, but uh, I, that that just sounds like a, a like fine. We'll just go with it. Yeah, but he is like he is much more impulsive than I. Yeah. Like, I would never give myself a tattoo. Like, a lot of his tattoos that, a lot of his stick and bumps yeah. that he gave himself, he just did on a whim. Yeah. He's just, like, hanging out and bored, and he's like, I guess I'll give I'll myself stick a stick some and needles like, in me. I could never do that. Yeah. Like, I'm always gonna, like, carefully think something out. Mm-hmm. Um, man. I guess I should tell I wanna, him. I want to call your brother right now and be like, <laughs> did you know you have a slur written on your bottom lip? Like, we shouldn't. He doesn't want to be on our podcast, but no, he's. I think he's shooting a music video right now. Oh, that's that's cool. He's a music video director. Yeah, that sounds like a neat job. Yeah. Um. So besides your uh, 
Figure eight. Figure eight. Figure eight, not Infinity. Not Infinity Sign. That's the other thing I had to think of. Like, everybody saw it when I was drawing it. I was like, oh, it's an Infinity Sign. I'm like, what's it's not. Is there a difference in the glyph between an Infinity Sign yes, and a Figure eight? Yes, there is. Okay. Uh, so, at least in, you know, depending on your font, I'm sure. So, the, the Figure eight is, in my mind, I view it as um, more elongated. Okay. Um, and. This is the made-up distinction I have. So, for example, um, the path that the sun follows. If you were to track the sun at the same time every day yep. over the course of a year, it would make a rough figure. It would make that figure eight or that infinity sign. And that, yeah, But that, to me, is the ideal of the infinity sign. Is the, the very stretched out. Yeah, the sort of long, skinny... It's not... I don't know, but it's but it's it's longer than it is wide by a significant margin. Yep. Yeah. Um, and like I think of that as infinity sign because it comes from somewhere. Like it has a meaning, uh-huh. that particular shape in that particular arrangement. Yep. Um, whereas a figure eight to me is two circles on top of each other. Okay. Um, you know, I would again if I was doing a profession, I'd find a font that was very clearly more towards an eight than the infinity mm-hmm. sign. Obviously, people think of the infinity sign as an eight turned sideways. So you can't really avoid that ever, particularly yeah. if it's on the webbing of my thumb where there's no up or down or clear distinction. And I think because the infinity sign is a common tattoo yes, for basic bitches. <laughs> can, we, can we do a different phrase? <laughs> uh, for 20-something American white women. Yeah, there we go. Um <laughs> Yes, which is another another concern is like you know I, you know if it if it's if it's a tattoo and it's personal and it's for me I shouldn't care what other people think about it, but yes. But I can even see now like being at work for a couple days and people going like oh tell me about your tattoo on your arm and I go oh it looks like just a bunch of dots but it's really the Orion constellation like there's a lot of explaining no this isn't what you think yeah it's a real it's a different thing yeah yeah those are the only two I've really considered ever getting. Is the figure eight and the and the the three of clubs on my chest? Yeah, I've gone through many, many considerations. Yeah, um, most is of the them... Hobbit tattooed on your forehead. No, I'm never getting a face tattoo. <laughs> neck, neck tattoo? No neck tattoo. Any tattoo I would get would be limited to sleeves and chests, maybe legs. Butt? Get a butt tattoo? No, no butts. I don't need someone stabbing my butt. That's okay. <laughs> You get a butt tattoo. <laughs> what would I get on my butt? Butterfly. <laughs> a butterfly. Yeah, yeah. There you go. I like it. Um, no, most of most of my tattoo inspiration is Tolkien related. I'm not surprised. Just because like that's <laughs> the thing that. Yeah. You know. Oh, I want a Star Trek communicator on my chest, where the Star Trek communicator goes. That's. That would be a cool tattoo. That's a pretty good idea. That's a pretty cool tattoo. I'm not going to do it, but that would be a sweet tattoo. You should do it sometime. That's a that's a really good idea. That's a really good idea for a tattoo, though, right? Yes, that's like a perfect tattoo idea. Yeah. Um, but I've thought again. I've thought about like you know, I, my Tolkien ideas started with like getting some specific quotes in like Elvish scripts sure. somewhere, yeah. right? And like speak, eh, friend, and enter mm, right along your back. I don't need a joke tattooed in Elvish <laughs> on my body. It's funny if it's a tramp stamp, though. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Speak friend and enter on my lower back? Yeah. No thanks. 
I mean, that's that's super nerdy. That's the that is the perfect that is the ultimate crossroads of like nerd and sex positive that I've ever. Heard. Yeah, it's great. Um, I am not enough of either of those, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, I think my my current idea. I'd love to do like a sleeve, yeah, like a Tolkien sleeve. Okay. Um, there's most of because I'm like the hyper Tolkien nerd. Most of the ideas are Silmarillion based instead of Lord <laughs> of the Rings based. Because it's the best book. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Lord of the Rings is just like surface level. It's the so, prequel. Um, like there's there's these two trees from the Silmarillion. Like you could do that on my shoulder, and then mm-hmm. like a dragon, and the you know all the yeah, all the, all the things. That's pretty cool. Yeah, but then also it's like, oh, when am I gonna have like yeah. a couple thousand dollars to drop on a yeah. super fancy nice tattoo? Well, now I'm now I'm concerned because if I get the Star Trek communicator, we're gonna put the three of clubs. <laughs> the other side of your chest. No, but that but that ruins the illusion. That's true. Yeah, because you're doing the trick and you accidentally reveal the wrong half of yeah. your shirt, and it's like, oh, sorry, no, not that one, this one. Well, or if I'm just like sitting around, like without a shirt on, like at the pool or something. That would look really odd to have a playing card and a Star Trek. That's what I'm saying. Like one or the other would be okay, right? But not both. You could do like the playing card on like an arm or something. So you could, like, yeah, roll up your do, it, do it on like a on a shoulder tat. Yeah, on the outside of your arm, that'd be okay. It's not as great as revealing, you know, pulling your shirt off to reveal your chest. Right. You could get it like your full back. Yeah. <laughs> just rip your rip whole shirt, shirt off. Is this your card? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I don't look great without a shirt anyway. So ripping my shirt off for dramatic effect is not the best choice. But <laughs> I'm also comfortable enough in my body that I would do it regardless. For a good trick, you better. Oh, I would. Because there's actually a picture, not a picture, a video of me topless on the internet. Awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm only briefly topless. Oh. The rest of the time I'm signing the F word in uh, ASL. Whoa. What else is happening in this video? Uh, so. And please send me the link. <laughs> you can Google uh, 1st of May ASL and uh, you will you will definitely find it. Okay. So there's a. Um, can I put this in the show notes? Sure. Okay. I mean, I'm. I'm. What's funny is I'm, he- I'm hesitant to show the video for different reasons than I used to be, but I'll get to that. <laughs> uh, so a very good friend of mine, and if you're, a, if you're a long-time podcast listener, if you're a listener of the Kevin Saunders Podcast Network, um, <laughs> you can, or the Kev Saunders Podcast Network, is that we're going to go with? Yeah, I don't know. I haven't named the network yet. That's okay. Smodcast. I'll so call it the Smodcast Network. Is that, uh, t- is that taken? Uh, it might be. Yeah, darn. Um, no, so uh, my other frequent podcast collaborator, Stephen, uh, and I were very good friends in college. We still are, although he's traveling across the world on a vision quest. Uh, he got mildly internet famous making ASL music videos. Oh, that's cool. Uh, which are basically what they sound like. He plays a song and he does an ASL gloss to them interpreting the song. Yeah. Um, he has since stopped doing it because as he is not a child of deaf parents... Were part of deaf culture, he felt like it was appropriating rather than and under the guise of celebrating, mm. um, and got some call outs from some people and and was kind of made aware of like especially because he started a Patreon to like fund it, and so he was even making money off of it. Yeah, like it's a cool idea, but maybe there's a better person and, to do and it. And so and so he has since stepped away from doing that. Which uh, we actually had a whole podcast episode about on Bad Philosophy. Interesting. Tell your friends badphilosophy.com. 
but so he's, he hasn't stopped doing that. But in college, he was doing it fairly regularly, and he, we did one for a song called First of May, which is a uh, song by the uh, internet songster Jonathan Colton. Oh, yes. Uh, who is famous primarily for songs like Code Monkey or Skullcrusher Mountain, um, also a very popular uh, rendition of Baby Got Back. Uh, in the style of like a folksy banjo song and the portal theme right? and the portal theme yes yeah. sorry that's i forget that he wrote that because i don't think it's a very good song <laughs> like i think like in in his catalog of work i think it's lower on the list it's a really good ending to the game it's a perfect ending to the game not a great song not a great song yeah um but so he has a song called first of may uh which is like all of his songs fairly humorous in nature Mm-hmm. And it uh, the the chorus of the song is first of May, first of May, outdoor fucking starts today. <laughs> uh, and so, Steve and I both being fans of of this, he decided he was going to gloss this one for his song. And I said we should have backup signers. Uh, and so it was myself and another friend named Greg, who are in the background signing just the word for fuck over and over <laughs> and over again. Uh, but we have a couple other signs that we do as well. But like during the chorus, that's all we're doing is just that over, which is this. That's awesome. Um, you can look up on the internet what I'm doing right now with my hands. That's a really. I've, it's a perfect sign. I um I don't know sign language. I know like a couple random yeah. things in sign language, but I think it is an amazing, fascinating language for how it manages to represent. Mm-hmm. Like things in the world with hand symbols. Yeah, it's, like, it's an amazing the, language. Like the, the sign for fucking is hilarious to me because like you can like you get you it. You get it. Uh, my favorite is this is great. We're doing a podcast where <laughs> we're displaying. Uh, yeah, uh, look this up on the language. internet later. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll have these in the show notes. Uh, internet is this okay? Which like like re- you can yeah. see like represents yeah. the internet. Like you yeah. have things connecting and yeah, like I, I love it. I know. Um, this is summer. I used to know more. Uh, moose? Yeah. Um, <laughs> time, I think. Is this time? Yeah, it's like or a clock. Day. I know. The other thing I know is because I watch Stephen's videos. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, riveting listening. His most famous video, by the way, is Party in the USA by Miley Cyrus. Nice. Uh, which I convinced him to do. So you're welcome, Internet. Are you a Miley Cyrus fan? Um, I'm an early Miley Cyrus fan. Okay. Uh, so everything pre-Party in the USA, I'm down for. Okay. Uh, like, uh, Seven Things I Hate About You is a great song. Uh, it's a list of seven things she hates about you. Oh, me? You specifically. Oh, I'm sorry, Miley. <laughs> I didn't know. Uh, Party in the USA. Later, twerking cultural appropriation, Miley, I have some more problems with. Mm. Um, I also acknowledge that she's uh, struggling with finding ways to express herself being a former child star. And having and no identity fo- whatsoever. Yeah, and like, I, I respect that, and so I don't dislike her at all. Um, a lot of people make fun of her for doing things like nude photo shoots or getting lots of tattoos or shaving her head or sticking her tongue out. I, I'm not particularly interested in any of that, but I certainly respect her ability to do it and try sure. and find herself also Wrecking Ball's great like Wrecking Ball's a great song yeah it's a pretty good jam uh, but I'm in I'm in the video doing that where is that story going um, we were talking about uh, I, yeah I don't know how we started talking about you being in a video doing sign language oh well the end of that story regardless of where it was supposed to be going okay uh, is I got to perform that song on stage with Jonathan Colton and Stephen, 
No way. Yeah. Where? In Dallas at the Granada Theater. Uh, he was so we were in Lubbock uh, that's where we were filming these uh-huh. uh, and he was coming to Dallas on like spring break like when we were going to be there and he had he had in the past invited people who were fans of his up on stage like uh, Molly something plays the ukulele and she did a bunch of ukulele versions of his songs mm-hmm. and she brought him on like in his concert film to perform a couple songs which was really cool and so Stephen emailed him and was like, "Hey, and we, Steve, and he had seen the video because he'd even retweeted it. Like he had, so he knew, he knew it existed. Nice. Um, and Stephen like emailed him and was like, "Hey, you know, you're coming to Dallas. You know, we can be in Dallas. <laughs> um, I mean, we wanted to go see him anyway. Yeah, because uh, that was as close as he was ever going to get to Lubbock. <laughs> right. Um, and I had family in Dallas, so we could stay with them, which makes uh-huh. that easier." Um, and he's like, hey, you're coming to Dallas. You know, we would love to do this with you. And he was like, yeah, that sounds great. And so we went to the concert. We saw the whole concert. Um, and then he brought us on stage for the encore to perform 1st of May with ASL hand signs. That must have been the coolest experience. It was amazing. And so so you got to stand next to Jonathan Colton and just yeah. do. And Paul and Storm, who at the time were his opening band. But oh, now nice. I've gone on to do their own things as well. So you just stood there for a song and did the, the the sign for fucking. Among other things. I did I did all the signs that I was supposed to. I didn't do the full song because Stephen oh, okay. was doing that, but I did all the backup signs. Oh, that's so cool. Um, there's video of that as well on the internet. Um, fun thing is Greg, who is our, our other signer, was not able to be there. And so my sister was our other backup signer. Uh, my sister, who is also now about to graduate from seminary in the next year and become a pastor. <laughs> so there, so this person who's about to become a pastor mm-hmm. has a video of them on the internet where they are at a concert on stage doing the hand sign for fucking. Yes. It's my kind of pastor. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good video. I mean, the, the quality's not great, but uh, it was... Uh, we were actually on stage for his two songs because uh-huh. uh, they did that and then Jonathan Colton's normal encore song is Sweet Caroline. And so they sang Sweet Caroline while we were standing on stage still. And we were just kind of like awkwardly standing there like, this is happening. Wait, did you continue to do the sign for fucking during Sweet Caroline? Yes. Yes, I did. Because <laughs> I had nothing else to do. Sweet Caroline is his encore? A lot of times, yeah. That's weird. Yeah. I have a bad relationship with that song. That's fair. I have, I have no strong feelings one way or the other. Because it is fucking everywhere in the Boston area. <laughs> During the baseball season. I would imagine. And the baseball season is most of the year. Yeah, the baseball doesn't end in Boston, I don't think. Because baseball is an interminable sport. <laughs> you don't like baseball? Uh, I used to love baseball. Okay. I was... Show me on the doll where baseball touched you. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Red Sox used to be like my primary like identity. Okay. As a You were a Sox head? As a youth. Uh, I don't know if that's the term. But yes, <laughs> I'm 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 choosing to believe that that's the term. I was a socks head. That sounds so it's, gross. <laughs> it's funnier when somebody else says it. But like that, you can't you can't escape that song. Yeah, you can't. It's escape. a popular song for the Red Sox. All so that that song is like a Red Sox symbol. Really? Yeah, it is played during the seventh inning stretch of every game at Fenway. Oh wow! Um, and it is, it is like the Red Sox song. So is there what what's the connection there? None. Okay. It's just a song that's easy yeah. to get a crowd. You can go excited ba, about. Ba, ba. Yep. Yep, you got a whole stadium full of people doing that. Yeah. 
Yeah, Stephen tried to sign along with it when they were singing because we had no idea they were going to do that. <laughs> and then we went off stage, and like the crowd was going so nuts, they actually went back on for a second encore, but we didn't go with them. But oh, yeah. it was fine. It was still an amazing experience. That's that's going to be like one of those like super cool experiences you remember for the yeah, rest of your life. Yeah, I like there's I can't not be excited about it. Like I went into my bathroom and screamed when I found out <laughs> it was going to happen. How many? How large of a crowd are we talking about? 150, 200 at least. That's awesome. Yeah, the Granada is a fairly small venue. Um, but I don't know how many seats. I mean, it could be up to 500. Like, not more than 500. Okay, so not, like, huge. No. But a lot of people. But it was still really cool. Have you... Well, I guess you've done a lot of stuff on stages before with, like, theater and whatnot. Yeah. But have you ever been involved in, like, stage music things? Like, concerts or um, bands or So I was like in band for sixth grade until I dropped out. Uh-huh. I played my dad's trombone. I played trumpet for a year in middle yeah, school. Yeah, I, I played was, I played trombone for like nine months. I was very bad at it. I was too. It's, brass instruments That's normal. are dumb. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was fine, but I liked it. I had a valve trombone because it was my dad's. Uh-huh. And I don't know if you know this about valve trombones, but they, uh-huh. they've got a thumb valve. Okay. And so you don't have to reach fifth and sixth positions on the trombone. You can go back to first, pull the valve, and you're in fifth position. Ah. And you go one more out, and you're in sixth and seventh. And so you can you can only play you can play in the first four or five positions, and use the valve. It's got extra tubing, basically. And that makes it easier. It makes it cooler. Oh, I don't know if it's easier or not. <laughs> I mean, my arms were long enough to reach fifth and or sixth and seventh positions, so it wasn't ever a problem. But it was oh. just kind of neat. Interesting. I played because my dad played. That's what he played. He was in marching band in high school, so I played along. I, I played yeah. trumpet because I had a relative give me a trumpet, and yeah. I was like, "Well, I guess I'll do this." Yeah. Um, so I did. I did that. And we played a couple concerts when we were playing in uh-huh. in you know the sixth grade band. Um, I was Captain Von Trapp in my high school production of the play that has Captain Von Trapp in it. Uh, the Sound of Music. That's it. That's okay. the one. <laughs> okay. Uh, and they cut all but one of my songs because uh, I can't really sing very well. Oh, yeah? I'm probably tone deaf. Even like, with all your experience in, like, theater and everything? Oh, yeah, never, yeah. Never got the singing? Well, I've, t- I've taken vocal. Like, I took vocal lessons while I was working on Von Trapp. Wow. And I got okay enough to sing Edelweiss, like, the big emotional song. Mm-hmm. And if I was bad, I could play it off as being, like, sad and emotional when the song was playing. Right. Um, but, no, I'm I'm – like I've taken internet tests that point to me being tone deaf. Wow. Um, like I've, I've tried to, I tried to learn the guitar in high school. I tried to learn the, the ukulele in grad school and I like can't tune a guitar. Hmm. Cause you just don't hear it. Like, I mean, I, I can hear the note. Like I hear that there's a thing playing, but if you play a note and then tell me to play the same note or tell me if this is higher or lower, I can get it close but I can't tell when they're the same note. Interesting. Yeah. I'm not like, I, I don't think I'm tone deaf at all, but I am a very bad singer. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. But I, I've never really been in environments where I've tried very hard yeah. or trained or, or anything like that. But Yeah, no, when I, was, uh, when I was learning to play guitar, my parents bought me a very nice guitar. Because uh, I was like, I'm going to learn guitar. And they're like, we're going to buy you a, a pawn shop guitar. And I'm like, no, I want a real guitar. And they're like, fine, we bought you a really nice guitar. Like a strat or something? No, it was a it was a Takahashi, Tanahashi, Taka something. Sounds nice. It was a nice guitar. It was it was an acoustic electric, so I had a pickup inside of it. Uh-huh. 
Uh, but it was an acoustic guitar because that's what the guy I was learning from played and he knew best apparently. Uh, and like my sister had played piano for many, many years and we had a piano in the house. And so she, like I was trying to tune my guitar and I didn't realize this at the time it was going on, but she would like play a note and tell me to like match it on my guitar and like use that as a tuning point because our paid a lot of money to get that piano tuned. Yeah. Um, and so I would, and, and they would go, no, it's higher than that. I'd be like, okay. And I'd turn the knob to make it higher. And they go, well, no, it's lower than that. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I'd turn it up and down. And so I, I could get it like close. But you could never really hear the exact match. Yeah. So like, I, if like, you could go, and Ooh. like, I know those are high and low notes, but right. if you put like two notes that are very close to each other, I have a lot of difficulty telling them apart. Do you think that affects your ability to like appreciate music? Probably, but you how but you would know yeah. differently. I will say the music I typically like more is not musically complex, but is lyrically complex. I per, I am a lyrics first music person. Interesting. Yeah, and yeah, that could totally be. Because... I mean, it could it could be related. I don't know if it is or not, but like, you know, give me give me uh, broader musicals any day. You know, uh, right, right. You know, be it Hamilton or anything Sondheim wrote, ever. <laughs> because he's sometimes a great lyricist, right? Um, and I, I much prefer great lyrics over great music. Yeah, I wonder if that is because I've not thought about it, but it's entirely possible. That would make sense to me. Yeah. Do you like? Do you think your hearing suffers in any other ways? Mm, not particularly. Wow. Like I, mean, I took the hearing test, and you know elementary school where they put those goofy headphones oh, on with you. those super tight uncomfortable yes. headphones I hate those the plastic they play a note and like raise your hand if you hear the note yeah uh, right hand left hand left hand right hand right <laughs> hand